Blog Talk Radio. Let's try it. This, this is all is about wine. Auction dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert. Oh, I forgot to ask. Wrong. Do we have a guest tonight? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, no? Okay. No. All right. Oh, sorry. Ron. <laughs> Basically, what we're doing this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. You know, because we start, we're talking during the beginning of the show, and we, and we were talking about everything else, and I forgot to ask right. you. We do, we and, to know. We do next yeah, week and the week after. Oh, but really? And I'm working on another one week after that, and then I'm looking at one in oh. the first week of November, but not tonight. Okay. Is next week the 12th? Because that's when... Uh, Anna from uh, Naked Wines is on. Okay. Correct. Yes. I think that was it. Okay, good. I'll have to plan for that one then. All right. Oh, we're not done yet. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Is Here's Ron. Hey, okay, must be okay, okay. Very good. No rains. Mm-hmm. It's nice weather out there. They're having a good time this mm-hmm. evening. Yeah. Well, the temperature's not bad either. I don't think. I, I think it was. No, was, not was really. Uh, the dew point that it's down. So yeah. Well, not a bad time to be out. Important. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not bad out there mm-hmm. at all. I, I'm, did you notice Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. No, Tuesday. Wednesday. Tuesday, today's Thursday, Tuesday, two days ago, all the smoke mm-hmm. in the air from the Canadian oh, yeah. wildfires. Yeah, that's insane. All the way down I here. I, I, yeah. Wow. And, and it was funny because I was talking to a couple of guys, one lives in New Jersey and one lives in Pennsylvania, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I said, boy, you got that they sitting outside and we're all having cigars uh, while we're talking and, you know, and, video chat, and it was so hazy and so smoky behind them. And I mentioned something to him. I said, yeah, it's Canadian fire smoke that we're getting down. This was in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. But then, mm-hmm. Tuesday, it was that bad here in Florida. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's sad. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, we we get that uh, that kind of range. It's got to be really intense up there for sure. Oh, uh, to, yeah. Good point. Didn't even think about how strong that must be up there. And I didn't see much. Uh, you know, I didn't. I, I wasn't on Facebook on on Tuesday, but uh, you know where I get my all my news source because it's reliable. Anyway, does <laughs> uh, that work? And I looked outside. And I go, what in the world's going on? And I had no idea it came from from Canada. I thought there was something, you know, in Polk County or you know, I don't know, uh, Orlando or you know that that area because it was thick, and and just incredible i thought wow this is really and then when i found out it was from canada that was even worse i was like oh my gosh it must be really bad well if you did a good sniff you can you can smell that maple syrup and canadian bacon in it so that's how you you knew it was from canada 
<laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was it was, it was nasty. It, you, I, just you kinda, I just hope it's not a you know wildfire where you know people are affected or animals, you know things like that. Uh, um, you know you hear about they, sometimes, but yeah. uh, it's just. Wilderness, woods, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Uh that's a, that's a good point. You know, let me let me go here. Where yeah. Hmm. Where is Canadian fires? Okay. Latest wildfire information, Canadian wildfire update. And it says, wow, uh, North American wildfires support Hawaii, typically wildfires support Hawaii, climate change increase. I don't know all this stuff. I just want to see a map or something. Uh, yeah. California, Oregon, Canada. Okay. Fires, in, uh, well, that doesn't tell me anything either. <laughs> Well, over the course of the fires, nearly 200,000 people were evacuated for some length of time. Ooh. Wow. That's, Ooh. Just, that's in Canada. Here's Alberta. What's it say there? In Alberta, there are 86 active fires. Wow. Wow. As of October the 4th, which is yesterday. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Wow. Wildfire note, the Bassett complex is classified as out of control at 234,000 acres. Uh, oh, Wood Buffalo complex uh, fire. Now, this is in Alberta. Uh, the Wood Buffalo complex is currently 1.21 million acres. Wow. Yeah. British hmm. Columbia. Let's see. Uh, 334 are active as of October the 4th in British Columbia, with 48 of those 334 being considered out of control. Jeez, it's all over northwestern Canada. Uh, 31 homes for the First Nation. Oh, jeez, I'm not going to pronounce that. The Indian tribes. Uh... 31 homes were destroyed. Uh, servo evacuation orders. And let's see, Northwest Territories. Uh, uh, another 44 active fires are currently burning. And 4.38 million acres have been burned. Boy, it just seems like everywhere out there, there's there's fires. It's... it's Almost every province uh, that has forest, uh, Quebec, 701 fires to date, and Quebec, 19 active, uh, with the smallest at a quarter of an acre and largest at 3.19 million acres. Wow. So, yeah, it's... Uh, we were there. It's 
uh, unbelievable the amount of fires that they have there. Uh, hmm. Well, so, um, and that's why we're getting all the smoke. Yeah, wow, that's that's something. So, uh, you know, again, if you wanted to, they brought up the support Hawaii wildfire recovery here in this article. Want to support any of those things? American Red Cross, and you can designate where you want the money spent. They'll do their best to do that. So, uh, yeah, the, the the fires and the smoke was not bad. I was playing golf Tuesday after I got off work at three o'clock, and the par five holes, um, four hundred eighty yards on this one, and it was like hard to see the balls when you hit them. I mean, it's not like we were hitting at four hundred eighty-five yards, but just you know, a couple hundred yards. It was hard to keep track of it because of all this smoke in the air. So that was that was strange. So, all right. Uh, anything else? Oh yes, uh, I'm a sports fan. You all know that. I've talked about sports off and on through the shows, through the years. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays, my local baseball team, got their butts kicked in two games on the playoffs on the wild card. They started out winning 13 straight games. They also set a, a home record for number of games won at home to start the season. That was 14 in a row. Uh, Diaz won the batting title, American League batting title. We had some injuries, but every team has injuries. But 99 wins, and we go into the playoffs, and we lose two straight games at home just immediately. We scored one run over two games. Uh, We had a run differential over the years of, I don't know, 400 home runs compared to opponents of only 130 or something. It was ridiculously lopsided, and we lost. So... Good job, Rays, up to that point, and we'll look forward to next year already. And at this point, I don't care who's in the World Series or who wins or anything because, you know, like I feel jaded. So is uh, that takes care of that. And uh, let's see, one other thing I want to mention that I thought was – Exciting and really cool is Chevy has came out with. Let's see if I can find it here. Mm. Oh no, I can't. Why did I lose that? There's no reason why that should have disappeared. But Chevy's came out with a new uh, Chevrolet Chevelle, I think. But it looks good. It really is a good-looking vehicle. So if you're all looking for a, a little reminiscent of muscle cars, and it's supposed to be out next year, 2024, so it may pop in any time now. So, okay. That's all the unwind-related news I wanted to share. Uh, so 
we'll get back to back to business here. You still there, Mike? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whenever we get quiet, and I, don't <laughs> you, I think maybe I have been lost or you have been lost, and so every once in a while, you need to pop need in there and say, hey, or, oh, that's yeah. good. Or, like, just yeah, find some something. cricket noises. You know, yeah. Some kind yeah. of effect for crickets. Uh, okay. I'll find something. Yeah. It's, it's something so I know you're still there. Cause, or I'm still yeah. here, too. I mean, you know, we have had issues. Yeah. Believe me, we know what that's like. We have oh, had yes. <laughs> issues in the past, so. Got to keep mm-hmm. on top. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. If we don't hear if we don't hear from you, that's when the panic sets in. That's, I mean, yeah. You know, that's when you're when you're talking midstream, and all of a sudden it gets quiet, and I'm thinking, okay, I have nothing. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, what am I supposed to? Do? <laughs> <laughs> I can just see the little beads of sweat forming on your forehead. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Where are we gonna go now? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> that's you right. can continue. If you don't hear me, you can you go on until you know eight eight ten whatever it is. If I don't hear you, uh, I'm just staring at my screen and going. If I'm gone, yeah, if I'm gone, I pick up the phone and call music. But sometimes I went on for you know five minutes, not realizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've disappeared. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the show goes on. And the show goes on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. We've already quarter of the way in. We haven't said anything about wine yet. Uh, yeah, we did on the opening. we got a guest next week, and we've got one the week after. Let me get out my calendar here and confirm these two things and let's see that's November I don't want November October yes next week we have Anna from Naked Wines and the week after that we have John uh, uh, with Australian Wines and I'm trying to get a hold of oh what a blank um Our Halloween haunted winery lady. Wow. Joy? Joy. Joy. Joy Neighbors. Neighbors? Um, I've I've been trying to get a Joy. I haven't heard from her back yet. I don't know why. Maybe I'll have to check and see if the email went through. Well, it should have popped through back to me immediately if it didn't go through. So So I I don't know. So, uh, she was working on. Uh, uh, she was working at or working with a uh, distillery. Um, I think so. Yeah. Last we talked, yeah. she was with the distillery. Yeah. yeah. So. So. Uh, yeah. Catch up with her. Yeah, I'll catch up <laughs> with her, and we can we can talk ghosts and and all that stuff again on the show before Halloween. We haven't done that in a couple of years. About three years has it been? Uh, you think so? Yeah. So get a hold of her and see if we can get her on 
on the 20, what is 8th? No, 6th. Get her on the 26th. And we'll talk haunted wine reason and ghost and all that stuff. She goes around to uh, graveyards and she has an, a book out on graveyards also, which is very interesting. Uh, so, and also genealogy and stuff. She's very versatile on that, but trying to get her back on the show. It's been a couple years, I think, at least since we've had her on. So, try to get her back on the show. And then in November, I'm working on couple of them already in November. Uh, we only got three weeks. Thanksgiving, we will not be here. But then the 30th is the end of November. That might be. 30th might be a good day to get the wine, or the wine, get the cigar guys on the show. Uh, yeah. We'll look at doing that possibly. So, that's what we got coming up here. Let's see what uh, today is the 5th. And so today is International Get Funky Day, you know, whatever that is. Um, October is National Apple Month, National Biscuit Month, National Cookie Month, National Dessert Month, National Pasta and Pizza, two different categories there, but basically tied in, and National Seafood Month. It seems odd that November is National Seafood. You would think that in spring. Uh, tomorrow is Inbox Zero Day. Nothing in your inboxes. Yeah, fat chance. World Card Making Day is Saturday. Uh, just to make cards. Sunday, National Heroes Day. I don't know, heroes, this is a term heroes is getting to me. Everybody's a hero now. You walk across the street and stop and pick up a piece of paper, you're a hero. Um, Monday, the 9th, International Beer and Pizza Day. Not good for wine. Tuesday, World Mental Health Day. Now, that's a good day for wine right there. And Wednesday, it's my party day, which is another good day for wine. The next... Thursday is World Arthritis Day. Another good day for wine. So, those are eventful days coming up over the next week before we have our guest next week. Uh, okay. Let's see what we've got here. I found some interesting things to talk to you about. Let me Let me find them here and tell you about them. Okay, 18. Oh, this I thought was really interesting. Wine America came out saying, wine equals power. These states have wine producers. 10,637 in all. That's a big, that's more than I thought. Now, that surprised me when I read that number. I didn't think it was that high, that these are all wine producers in this country. Which preserve the land, hire local people, support suppliers, attract tourists, contribute to the local 
communities and pay lots of taxes on all levels. And Congress knows that. Okay, Voltaire said, wine is the driving juice of September. Which is pretty true. September's, you know, harvest and they start coming out with the wine and stuff. Uh, poets and philosophers have talked about wine for centuries. And it's just a magical elixir. As everyone knows, you can, you, know, you take this great and you make something that people like to get together with, improves lifestyles, makes us happy and all that. The fun side of it. We've got to talk about the money side. It's a major economic engine. It generated $276 billion for the American economy in 2022. Just, just last year, $276 billion. That's 25% above the 2017 level. And that's with COVID squeezed in the middle there. 2020 was the COVID year. A lot of wine sold then. Wine is produced, distributed, sold, and consumed in all 50 states. Okay. Between the farmer pruning vines and the consumer sipping wines, there's an incredible array of wine-related businesses, transactions, and benefits that flow throughout the economy because of wine. A 2022 study showed that wine, the wine industry in the United States generated a total of 1,844,901 jobs. That's just the wine industry. Okay. $95.5 billion in wages, $276 billion in total output. It's, that's just wine. That's just wine now. It also generated a total of $31 billion in taxes. Including $22.8 billion in business taxes and $8.2 billion in consumption taxes. Uh, and now you got to realize that $8.2 billion is what you're paying when you go to a store and pick up wine. That's consumption taxes. $22.8 billion in business taxes. That includes everything that the winery does, the taxes we pay on everything that we can and do pay on everything. I say we, reflecting back to the winery, uh, we do have a resale number and we use the resale number, but we still had to keep track of that. What was that? What was that? I'm, it sounds like I'm getting a feedback on myself here. No, it went away. Okay. Um, yeah, it went away. It was there for a while. Okay. Wine's economic impact is measured in three major categories. Direct, which is $111.6 billion in total output. Supplier, which is $76.3 billion. And induced, which is $88.3 billion. Okay, the direct impact includes everything from the vineyard to the sale and all that in between. Supplier impact involves the thousands of businesses the wine industry supports by buying goods and services. And that's major there. I mean, you know, we 
you have to include bottles and labels and capsules and uh, a, a myriad of stuff to make the wine that you're using and oh there's just so many things and induced impact involves the many businesses and local communities which benefit from money spent by employees in the other two categories and that's the induce I when I first read this I go induce I can understand but you have employees that are working in the vineyard after they get off they go out they buy food they uh, get gas all that stuff is uh, classified as a uh, induced impact 88.3 billion dollars uh, let's see uh, from economic prospect what's in a bottle of wine well land trellises farm equipment fuel labor harvest machines crushers presses tanks barrels bottles closures labels boxes warehouses transportation communication and much else all involving the workers okay tourism is another powerful part of the wine industry uh, it uh, entices customers in to visit the tasting room and the wine this fuels the economy in rural areas because most of the wine users are not in downtown although I've been to some that have been right in the city in 2022 there were 49.2 million tourist visits to American wineries which generated 16.7 billion dollars in expenditures and contributed to supporting 155,035 jobs which resulted in 5.4 billion dollars in wages big numbers just in wine just just in the great so you can see how a little bit of weather problems are a little bit of anything along the line can affect numbers and these numbers make a big difference I mean in, in economies and all that stuff uh, out of a hundred US senators a hundred represent wineries hmm uh, let's see what this is oh yeah here we go I missed this in the winery because they were talking about it right when I was closing the winery in 2016 it said that the craft beverage modernization and tax reform act of 2017 has been saving all wineries lots of money each year to significantly reduce federal excise tax rates wow I can tell you how much excise tax was costing so that's a big deal uh, so numbers there you go um, it's, it's just unbelievable the amount of money this industry generates and the things too that it uh, helps there's a lot of um, auctions and events 
and all these things usually pick out a charity or something that it gives money to and that all gives boost to the wine industry each year. So it's quite a quite an important thing in this country, the wine industry. So okay. Uh, let me see. Uh, what's this? No, I want to read that article myself first because it's pretty long. No, oh, this was interesting. This is world bulk wine exporting countries. Now, the United States ex- exports a lot of wine. California particularly exports a lot of wine. Uh, the global wine bulk wine trade dropped by 4.5% in volume and 6.8% in value in the first five months of this year. Uh, most countries dropped. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Nine out of the world's top 15 bulk wine exporting countries increased their prices uh, despite a decline. Of, but the, the world wine export, sparkling wine, is up 9.1%. Uh, amazing. Bottled wine, up 2.8%. Bag in box is up 4.7%. And bulk wine is down 2.3%. But part of that could be the glut of grapes that they have in a lot of areas around the world, too. There's been some strange growing conditions, uh, Australia being one of them. But we go into wine exporters. Now, these are two same charts, but why the different numbers? I don't understand that. Uh, Top bulk wine exporters of January to May in 2023. Uh, The biggest one, Spain at 216.7 hectoliters. I think that's what they're talking about here. I don't know. It doesn't give me a key to this. Hectares, yeah, probably because it's global, so everybody talks in metric except us, so I have to, have to go hectares. Uh, Spain, 216.7, then Italy, 123.1, Australia, 110.7, New Zealand, 104.7, Chile, 101.2, France, 76.2, and then the United States, 45.1 hectares in the first, uh, and these have to be thousands, million, million hectares, uh, yeah, in millions, so, you know, when I see United States, 45.1 million hectares, so, uh, numbers are down. Numbers are down for world bulk distribution, which 
you the thing is everybody ships wine everywhere and when you start getting the numbers down then it affects everything the economy affects the the uh, wines that are being made and all that so that's why I'm going to pass it on to you okay let me go to the next group of things I want to tell you okay who world health organization we all know who is uh, I think we should has alcohol in its crosshairs now why I don't know I guess they have nothing better to do uh, and they're saying that well not who's saying but everyone else saying the wine industry needs to take notice because they're changing who's changing the way they talk about alcohol and what it can do to you and all that uh, they've been working on threats for almost 15 years and we're used to seeing these things come out from who talk about alcohol and all that but they're saying the narratives have changed now it is about making alcohol beverages less socially acceptable more like tobacco now I don't yeah that yeah, I'm not going to editorialize yet Excuse me. health warnings around wine focus on three things the issue of drinking and driving the well-being of minors and the harm it does to pregnant women and we all know that these are things that they preach for years you know let's keep the alcohol out of youth and it's don't drink and drive and the warnings are always you know if you're pregnant don't drink but in the past year it has changed uh, the new narrative is about making alcohol beverages less socially acceptable yeah, like I said, like tobacco. Uh, the, legal, uh, the legality is beside the point because it's almost impossible to smoke anywhere. It's been banned in restaurants, public places, bars, most outdoor places, really. I mean, you got to be, you know, 75 feet or whatever it is away to be able to smoke. And this has made who extremely happy and it has really helped for uh, the greater good of smoking the incidence of cancers of any type and all that and any smoking related stuff is way down because of the bans that they put on it but well we now see now is that they don't want to ban alcohol but they're creating the context so that people don't want to drink it I, okay let's not talk about you know let's not editorialize yet um, the who proposed the coordinated action in six areas for Europe alcohol pricing alcohol availability alcohol marketing 
health information and with specific focus on alcohol labeling, health service response, and community action. Okay. Uh, they're saying they want to turn down the alcohol flow. They think it's just too strong. They want to start treating it like tobacco. Well, you know, it, they've got it out of hand on tobacco now, I think, anyway. I, and I'm I'm not a cigarette smoker, and I'll have my cigars with, playing golf or, you know, every once in a while here. But it's not like I couldn't go without it. But I like my wine with my meals. I go out to eat. Sometimes we pick restaurants just because it has wine and uh, a decent wine list. And if they start putting more restrictions on that, I don't know how we would. But it already can't be sold to minors. Uh, and now they're talking about it, putting new restrictions where if minors are present, then it can't be sold. Yeah, come on. Uh, the January 2023 statement from the Lancet, and the Lancet's the world's preeminent medical journal, uh, makes the point that it's difficult to tease out what these benefits might be and for whom, which is true. For adults over 40, health risks from alcohol consumption varies by age and region. Uh, consuming a small amount of alcohol for any age group can provide health uh, benefits, such as reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and even diabetes. So they're fighting a major uphill battle here, I believe. I, I really do. I can't see them doing it. Some but all, some but not all, studies have suggested that light alcohol consumption could have a small protective effect as measured by the risk of some cardiovascular diseases or type 2 diabetes. And they want to start cutting it back more. So they may, may have a very serious problem here. Who could be biting off more than they can chew on this incident. Uh, concerning wine, while scientific data shows that harmful use of alcohol may be associated with an increased risk of developing cancer, it also shows that no increased risk is associated with wine consumption in moderation or with a meal or as part of healthy lifestyles and dietary patterns and, in particular, with the Mediterranean diet. So here we go. Who's even saying? And oh no, that wasn't who. That was the who was that? Committee European de Enterprises Vins, EB. Uh, so there has to be important enterprises Vins vineyards are vines, but the health warning labeling. What they foresee is going to happen is you're going to have regulations signed and proclamated. Now, this is what Ireland has already done. This has been enforced since uh, 
what, May 20, uh, May the 22nd, 2023, and it will apply for May 22nd, 2026, the labeling of alcoholic beverages. Now, these are things that they're, have, they're talking about putting the Irish health warning labeling. And Irish says, I've heard about this. It says, point, alcohol consumption causes liver damage. And it shows a pregnant woman there with a, the circle and the line through it. Uh, which <laughs> could be interpreted as we don't want pregnant women, you know, let's stop pregnant women. Uh, actually means that, you know, pregnant women shouldn't be drinking the wine. Point, there is a direct link between alcohol and fetal, or and fatal, fetal, I just talked about pregnant, I said fetal, and fatal cancers. There is a direct link between alcohol and fatal cancers. All right, point, website with public health information regarding alcohol consumption and it has a website listed and an indication of the amount of grams of alcohol and the energy value expressed in kilojoules joules and kilocalories kilojoules i don't I'm not familiar with what that is so and this is all that's supposed to go on wine labels in Ireland now, in force uh, now. Uh, Who is looking at doing this in everywhere, particularly European Commission? Uh, says young people in wine-consuming countries are already drinking far less than previous generations, in large part because of health concerns. So it's already working to try to get the youth to not drink, but it's just health concerns. But it's still classified as being all right for you. Uh, let's see what's to say. In its latest annual report, U.S. online retailer Drizzly reveals that the youngest wine drinkers in the U.S. say they are going to drink more red wine or non-alcoholic beverages. And wine also seems to be a popular gift among the young drinkers. So, we don't want people to be drunk. We want people to drink in moderation. We do. We are not against health or moderation warnings, but wine is a very important sector in Europe. So, this is what may be coming down the pike here before very long. Who knows? I guess say the EU needs to, or the who, not the EU, who needs to go back to doing what they do best, and that's, you know, fighting the different cancers and stuff instead of trying to mess with our wine. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me see what else we have here. Uh, I told you three weeks ago, I think, three, maybe two, 
about the contest that wine enthusiast or wine spectator, I'm sorry, I said wine, wine, wine spectator, uh, the little video contest that you can actually make up your own little video and enter. And I said, you know, you can get it, get it in, and you can you can win stuff. Well, they got it. I said you had to get it in pretty soon. They've got it down to three places now. The final three people that have been voted in from the whole. Well, they had a whole bunch of videos online. What they did is they got these entered into them. Then they narrowed it down to like 25 or something like that. I don't know how many for sure. And then you voted on those. And, you know, they, they weeded out the, the silly ones that are the ones that they need to weed out. And they got it down to three now. People voted and we got it the, the final three. And then you can vote on these final three. And... There's honorable mention ones in here and all that, but uh, the editor selected the finals. Our viewer votes to determine the winner and runners up. Okay, channeling the spirit of 1970 folk rock. It's a musical parody from second time winner Steve Jacobson, who encouraged wine lovers to explore beyond their favorite varieties and styles. Always oh, won before. I don't think he needs to win again. Second, uh, this year's runners up and finalists. This is already done. I thought we were still voting on this. Well, maybe not. Maybe this is. Maybe this is it. Uh, first place, love the wine you're with. Second place. Akiko Dreams of Pino, the story of Akiko Freeman's journey from Japanese exchange student to West Sonoma Coast winemaker. Akiko learned the art of kudo from her grandmother and uses that experience to translate the message of the vineyard through the expressive wine she makes. And it was second place. Third place, Volcanic Journey. After 20 years of farming a vineyard on the side of a volcano in, Florida, in California's uh, Maricamas Mountains, the team from Obsidian Wine Company set out to explore volcanic vineyards in Oregon and Washington. Along the way, they learned what unites these unique places and people and what makes volcanic wine so distinctive. Seems like a lot of stuff to be told in these because the videos are supposed to be pretty short. I, I can't remember how much time. I think two minutes or something like that. Uh, so, and then, honorable mention, this year's Wine Spectators editorial team picked six other favorites in addition to the finalists that each excelled in different categories and that we didn't want our viewers to miss. You can watch them below here. Um this is in Wine Spectator. You can go to Wine Spectator and look this up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put a link, but you don't need to. You can go to Wine Spectator and look up the 2023 video contest winners. And, uh, uh, yeah, video contest winners. 
and it will take you and you can watch in there. Uh, the prizes this year, though, is received a pair of tickets to the weekend long Wine Spectator New York Wine Experience in 2023, uh, which is like a $2,500 prize there. Each of the other finalists has won a pair of tickets to one of the 2023 Wine Experience Grand Tasting Evenings or a 2024 Grand Tour Tasting Event. And each valid entry receives a one-year WineSpectator.com membership, which includes access to more than 400,000 wine reviews. And it says, cheers to all of this year's entrants. Uh, and it says, still have popcorn left? Watch hundreds of more free videos. Yeah, sign into Wine Spectator. They have a lot of <laughs> a lot of videos about a lot of stuff on there. So, huh, yeah, I looked at a couple of them. I didn't look at these. Hmm, no, that's interesting. So, those are the winners, the finalists and the winners. I thought I thought that was, we were still voting, but I guess we're not. I guess that is it. All right. Uh, Let's see, the next one here, Missouri. Missouri 2023 harvest is being done even as we speak. And the reason I call it this is because Teravox Vineyards was someone we just talked to two weeks ago, I think, wasn't it? You know, two weeks ago. And he said he was waiting and now it's ready to be picked. In fact, he should be almost done now because this is this article is a week old. Um, and it says uh, this crew of harvesters are nearly halfway through, and it already appears that uh, the 2023 vintage will be better, of higher quality, and larger than 2022. Uh, currently, 40% finished harvesting. It's 14 acres. So about six and a half acres, he said. Although the late spring and early summer brought wet and hot temperatures, he said they were able to get through a drier than normal August, which helped ripen, ripen the grapes. And he said he should be done by the middle of next week, which mid-October. Uh, excuse me. It says they are unique in that they grow almost entirely all native North American grape varieties. It says while 15% of their vineyard is planted to the Norton grape, most is planted to grapes such as Albania, Cloita, uh, Hidalgo, Munch, Stark's Star, and Wetumka. Uh, so, a bunch of Native American grapes you never heard of. And like he told us last week when we were talking to him, he does a lot of blending, so you're not going to see a uh, munch wine, a varietal munch or a wetumka. Uh, he blends most of those and just comes out with a, a red or whatever he's doing. 
uh, he says between now and the end of October, visitors to the wine room will be able to stand on the balcony of the wine room and watch a crew of harvesters pick grapes from the vines. Uh, a lot of times in the Midwest, well, here, let me, Terra Vox Vineyards, located about 30 minutes northwest of Kansas City, founded in 1996 by Missouri native Jerry Esterhold, who was on the show. The winery's mission is to produce delicious and unique Missouri wines that showcase the world-class wines that can be produced from Harlem grapes native to North America. And again, if you want to know more about TerraVox, go to TerraVox.wine, T-E-R-R-A-V-O-X, TerraVox.wine. Um, the... Uh, uh, well, just look at that. I started talking about something, then I finished that paragraph, and I lost what I was going to talk about. But the uh, wineries there are in the middle of harvest, as is a lot of apple orchards around there, as is, well, not so much anymore tobacco. Uh, not too far from where Taravox is, north west of them, still in Missouri, there is a town, Weston, that used to grow a lot of tobacco. And you'd drive up there and see the tobacco fields and you'd see the barns with the tobacco hanging to dry. I don't know if they're doing much tobacco anymore or not. It's been a number of years, many years since I was there. And so, I don't know, but they're still doing, they have their apple orchards. You, we used to go up and get a couple of bushels of apple orchards and make pies and all sorts of stuff with apples from that area there. They weren't real sweet. They were more cooking apples than anything, but they were very good for pies and just different apple recipes. So, um, so uh, they're harvesting now, and they're almost halfway, three-quarters of the way through harvesting in Missouri right now. Getting good weather, though. Uh, and let's see. Where is the next one? Hmm. El Nino. I guess everybody's familiar with El Ninos now, aren't they? And El Nina. Uh, La Nina and El Nino. Uh, says the Bureau of Meteorology has declared that El Nino and a positive Indian Ocean dipple are underway. D-I-P-O-L-E, dipple. And that's I-O-D, positive Indian Ocean dipple. Warmer and drier conditions will be more likely over spring and summer for parts of Australia under the influence of these two drivers. Uh, they tend to draw rain away from Australia, though. The combined impact can increase the chance of below average rainfall over much of the continent and higher pictures over the southern two-thirds of the country. A three-month forecast for Australia, rainfall and temperatures has been indicating warm and dry conditions, which is not good for our grapes. You, you get, they're, they're south of the 
of the equator. So we're heading into fall. They are heading into spring. Obviously, they are flipped from us because of the um, equator, south of the equator. I was, I'm sorry, I was clearing something off here that was bothering me. Uh, so, the increase of fire danger in southeastern Australia is usually associated with the El Nino conditions, and they've had some serious fires down there, if you remember this last spring. The last time Australia encountered both El Nino and a positive IOD was in 2015, and around two-thirds of Australia's driest years on record were during El Nino. No two El Nino or IOD events or their impacts are the same. So it's hard to say what's actually going to happen. This is the effects global weather occurs on average every three to five years, but not as a combination. A positive IOD often results in below average rainfall during the spring and warmer than average maximum temperatures for the summer. And then similar, our El Nino is the same. It's usually lower rains and more uh, higher temperatures, warmer temperatures. So the combination of the two could be serious. Serious. Since 1960, when reliable records began for the IOD, there have been around 16 positive IODs and 15 El Ninos. Seven years have seen positive IOD and El Nino events happen at the same time, and those have resulted in some, you know, prolonged droughts and drying out of a lot of areas. So, uh, not not a good thing. Uh, coming Australia Wine Business uh, Magazine is talking about this. Obviously, I've been talking about Australia. But not a good thing coming up in Australia there. Okay. Let me go back here. Oh, it's almost 8 o'clock. Wow. Uh, let's see. A couple. Arizona. Speaking of droughts, Arizona is dealing with droughts. Arizona has been dealing with droughts for you know, all summer. Uh, one of the oldest wine-growing regions in North America, they say. Uh, the billion-dollar industry has skyrocketed in Arizona over the past decade. The uh, reason for the boom is Arizona's soil and climate. Somewhat similar to Spain, uh, farming in the desert comes with its challenges, they're saying, though. Uh, when you're a winemaker, you know what you're facing, and you have to monitor the grapes continuously. Each vineyard and winery and farm deals with the Arizona weather in their own ways. Uh, they are getting a record harvest and yielding quality with the grapes, and it has a lot to do with the winter they had. The wet winter made it a little bit more easier to get through the 
hot, dry summer. Uh, they're saying that in areas 113 degrees uh, was hit, which is the first time it's ever jumped up that high. And it's surprising the grapevine survived it. Uh, so they are hoping that it will continue to be the cool winters and start helping mitigate a little bit of the problems that they face in the summer. Uh, for now, the crush is on time, and they're still doing what they can to get the grapes in and all that. But uh, it's always a challenge. Uh, they said that uh, some of the grapevines have been cultivated in the Arizona region for 6,000 years, and they're relatively easy to grow and don't take a ton of water. Um, the aquifer there is is not too bad for the grapevines to hit the pick up the water from that. So, uh, but there is drought in the forecast, and they need to conserve the water and watch what they're watch what they're doing with the uh, uh, grapes. They're doing sustainable wine growing and so it doesn't take a whole lot of great our upgrades whole lot of water uh, <coughs> excuse me okay eight o'clock wow um yep let's see i think that's all i want to cover today so uh, let me see anything else here oh sustainable uh, there's a little thing here to explain sustainable wine growing. Uh, let me about this because I can't tell you next week because we have guests for the next four or five weeks. Um, this is talking about SIP certified. And we've talked to wineries who are SIP certified. Uh, what's it? SIP sustainable something. Uh, oh, where is it? Uh, sustainable SIP, SIP, SIP. Uh, okay. SIP certified in 2008. The goal was to develop a rigorous third-party verification program so consumers could trust that the wine in the bottle was made with care for people and planet. Where does it say what SIP stands for? You just talked about SIP certified. Sustainability practice. Oh, sorry. What is it? <laughs> Sustainability in practice. No, in, okay, in practice. Okay, sustainability in practice. Yeah. Okay, so two things that they mean. While consumers name food and beverage as one of the most important industries when it comes to sustainability, more than one in four U.S. adults said they don't know what makes a product sustainable. And nearly number two here, nearly six in ten consumers are willing to change their purchasing habits to help reduce negative environmental impact. So, sustainable 
our SIP practices is it really well. I'm, I'm repeating it says sustainability in practice. And if I say SIP, SIP practice, I'm saying practice practice. Um, uh, SIP certified seven values uh, that include uh, social responsibility, water management, safe pest management, energy efficiency, habitat, business, and last one, always evolving. So interesting there. That is sustainable practices is those points, those social responsibility, water management, safe pest management. We talked to a SIP certified winery uh, before. If you're really curious about sustainability, um, I, I can't remember the winery, but uh, going to archives, I'm, I think it was listed, and you can he explains sustainability and what all they're doing and everything else. So interesting uh, sustainability, but it's uh, something that people don't really understand what it is, but it's basically taking care of the wine, the winery, and the planet, and it includes your paperwork and everything else too. It's not just those steps. If you're working in the office, you can't say, well, they're doing sit practices outside in the vineyard so I'm safe. It applies to your paperwork and everything else. So sustainability means the whole package. Everything is watched and controlled. And the paperwork makes a difference too. It's to the bottom line and what you're getting and how they're doing stuff and the formulas for wines and all that good stuff. So yeah, I wanted to cover that because I couldn't do it next week or for the next three or four weeks. So, all right. It's that time of year. It gets gets a little busy. <laughs> so. Yeah, it does. Oak prices are going up too, which is I just I saw that, which could mean that your oak wine is going to cost more, or they're going to not oak as much, not use new French oak because oak prices are going up. So I wanted to throw that out there too. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, let's see. Well, it is uh, the end of our October fifth show. Gosh, we're already in October. At yeah. uh, after eight o'clock uh, Eastern time, and we will um, close down the show. We'll be back next Thursday. That would be October the 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern time if you want to join the show live. If you happen to pass by this uh, um, broadcast on our Facebook or Twitter uh, page, you can still leave a comment or, or YouTube. You can still leave a comment. We'll get it, and uh, maybe we can respond or or say something about it on the air on the following show but uh you can contact us that way leave a comment about the show and go from there or you can email of course uh, ron at uh, allaboutwine101 at gmail.com and he'll get the emails uh, especially if you want to be a guest those are you know you're really looking forward to those and trying to get things arranged so uh, contact the show and if you want to be a guest or if you have a comment let us know Flightline Radio every Saturday morning from 7 to 9. Mike is live. 
Also, All About Wine is repeated on a Saturday at noon. This week's episode repeated Saturday at noon on Flightline Radio. And all the time, Flightline Radio is running and giving you music. Just turn your headphones on it and listen to it in the background while you're browsing the computer. Yeah, and uh, we also have the uh, iPhone and uh, uh, Google uh, Play Store apps. So uh, check it out, download the app, and you can listen that way. There's quite a few features I've put on there. Uh, Yeah, so uh, download the app. It's easy to use. There you go. Thank you. you. Yeah, we are progressing. And uh, with that, we'll sign out. Uh, Y'all have a good uh, weekend. Be safe. Uh, Have a great week ahead. And we'll talk to you next uh, Thursday. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good evening. Thank you. Enjoy some good wine. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About About Wine with your host. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All right. Green. Yeah. And we're blocked off way